Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Old Testament. Remain standing for just a moment uh, while the choir finds their place. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. Deuteronomy chapter number eight. We are going to continue what we started uh, Wednesday night. I would encourage you, if you were not here Wednesday night, please go back. Please go back and watch the Bible study from Wednesday night. This is a continuation. Uh, I guess we're finishing what we started. Uh, and, and this is a really, uh, really important Bible study. Uh, I, I, I am, I am so aware of, of what he is teaching and seeing it in so much of our church today. And when I say our church, I'm not talking about, uh, Temple Baptist specifically. I'm talking about the church in America. We see it in our country. We are seeing it in our church. Uh, and, and, and I, I want to really emphasize that you listen close today. Uh, uh, this is, this is a message that we all need to hear. We all need to take warning. Uh, I, I was listening to the song, that first song about, uh, uh, every blessing that I receive, I will return praise. God, you give this, I'm going to give back. You give this, I'm going to give back. You give this, I'm going to give back. Every, every blessing. Every blessing, every, say it with me. And, and you're going to see why that is so critical, why that is so critical that we do that. So if you have your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, guys, I put on the notes, uh, verse 10, but I want to go back to verse six, if that's possible. Uh, verse number six, Deuteronomy chapter eight in verse six, this is the second reading of the law. Uh, this is after the 40 year wilderness wandering, uh, uh, Moses is fixing to, uh, bring them to the edge of the promised land. He can't go in, but Joshua is going to lead them in. And this is the second time he reminds them of the law. The word Deuteronomy means second reading or the second law. He is telling them again, listen, what they forgot the first time, what God expects out of them. If that makes sense, say amen. And, and with this reading, he's telling them what he's going to do. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse six. Therefore, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Now, if you're, you're familiar with the desert, that's a good thing. The one, the one thing, if you have water in the desert, you are king. I mean, that you have to have water to survive and to prosper. He said, I'm going to take you to places where there's fountains of waters and fountains and brooks and, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey. Now, if, if you don't think that's encouraging, try eating manna for 40 years. All right, they've been eating manna from God's oven for 40 years, and, 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 and this variety is a blessing, amen? Now, not only that, but a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Now watch this, read it with me. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Say it again. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose, how many of y'all think that, that sounds pretty good? Have no lack. Have all that you need and more. A land whose stones are iron and out of the whose brass hills thou mayest dig brass. In other words, you're going to have everything you need and what you want. 
When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord. What is that? With every blessing, I'm going to, I'm going to turn back to praise. Y'all see this? When you, when you eat and you're full, when you have everything you want, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. In other words, you remember him, you recognize him, you worship him, you praise him, you glorify him. What's the next word? Beware. Beware. Anytime you see the word beware, you always think of danger. Beware electric lines. Beware dog will bite. You know, because of lawyers and suing, you can't say beware the dog anymore. You have to say beware dog will bite. In other words, when you see the word beware, that means danger. Be careful. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this well. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, it is this day, and it shall be, it shall be. Everybody read this with me. Everybody read this. Everybody fair of you, help me, help me now. Here we go. And it shall be. If thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Dear Heavenly Father, please, please, please let us take this to heart. Please let us learn. Please teach us today. Lord, please open your word to our hearts and our minds. Touch me right now, Lord. I desperately need your unction, Lord. I know Satan is fighting. Boy, he's fighting this word today. He's fighting this truth. And I pray that you'll put a hedge about this whole place. I pray that you'll just, just move and settle in this place and open the hearts of your people and the eyes of your people and the minds of your people that they can see the truth and the danger that we face. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll move. Lord, just, just, just receive all the honor and glory for everything done today. In Jesus' name, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, I, I almost titled, I almost titled this today, Beware 
of the blessing. Beware of the blessing. Uh, we all want to be blessed, don't we? I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be blessed. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to experience what God was describing here about having fountains of water, variety of, of foods, and, 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 and to have everything you want and nothing to be lacking. I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that couldn't stand and say, hey, that's me. That's what I'm in for that deal right there. I want to have what I need and I want to have what I want. I want God's favor on my life and I want God's blessings on our life. But you know what? You know, some of us can't be trusted. Some of us can't be trusted. Now listen, uh, we, we all in the nation of Israel here. If you will, if you will go back, I'm going to do just a little brief, just a little brief review of Wednesday night. Uh, before God takes the children of Israel into the promised land, he knows, he knows that he's fixing to bless them like crazy. He's fixing to pour abundance on them. He's fixing to give them everything they need and most of what they want. If y'all are with me, say amen. But he knows they're not ready for it yet. So he takes them through the wilderness and allows them to suffer need. He allows them to suffer lack. He allows them to get hungry. When do you get hungry? When you don't have enough food. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And if you'll read the chapter, he said, I allowed you to, 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 to be without. I allowed you to have lack in your life. I allowed you to not have enough. I allowed you to suffer hunger. In other words, he allowed them to come to the end of themselves, to the end of their abundance, to the end of their resources, to the end of everything they had. Why? Why? So that he could show them that he is their source. When they, when they had nothing, when they were in the middle of the wilderness with no food, he gave them manna from heaven and quail from heaven. When they had nothing to drink and there was no, there was no anything, he allowed water to supernaturally come out of a rock so they would know, don't look to what you have in your hand. Don't look to what you have in your pocket. Don't look around, but look up. I am your source. I am your source of life. I am your source of fulfillment. I am your source of satisfaction. I am your life. Because I'm telling you, if God didn't show up that minute, they'd all died. I am it. I am the most important thing in your life. I am the priority in your life. Without me, ye can do nothing. And he says, but I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in a land where you have everything. But when I do that, when I do that, everybody listen now, this is important. This is a serious, serious message today. When I do that, what was the next word? Beware. Wow. Beware. There's a danger. There's a danger. Beware. Pay attention. Open your eyes. Beware that when you've had everything that you want. First of all, before he said beware, he said when you get that, you return to praise. When you, when you get into that land and you fill up, you need to look up. That's good. When you fill up, you need to. And blessing. 
and worship him and give him praise and give him honor and give him glory and recognize where it came from. And when you stop doing that, when you stop doing that, you're going to forget God. You're going to forget God. In the danger that he was warning them about, when they have everything they need and most of what they want, you're going to forget God. You're going to forget where it came from. Now, I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, in our country today, in our churches today, we have people that's been blessed beyond measure who forgotten where it came from. Let me, let me show you. What are the dangers of forgetting God? Four things I want you to write down that we see in this chapter. Four dangers. Four, four, four things that we, we experience and that we see with people who forget God. People who cease to worship. Who forget God. First of all, he says, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord. That's the, that's the, that's the positive. That's the positive. When you have what you need, bless him. When God meets your need, bless him. When God takes care of you, bless him, praise him, worship him. But here's the negative. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Be careful because when you forget him, watch this now, verse 12, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, help me read that first line, then, everybody say it, then the first thing that takes place when we forget God is pride. 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 Listen, we, we all know what pride is. I, I gave a definition. I gave a definition. I gave it to you Wednesday night. But, but, but watch what Webster's Dictionary says. Pride, an excessive self-esteem. And the word, the key word is excessive. More than should be. Nothing wrong with self-esteem. Nothing wrong with self-esteem. But when it is, come on everybody, when it is. When it's excessive, when it's more than just, hey, Paul told us, I think in, in, in Corinthians chapter 12, first Corinthians chapter 12, he said, let not a man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority and talents, beauty, wealth, and accomplishments, rank or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. Be careful when you think you're better than everybody. Be careful when, when you're so lifted up in your own pride and your own uh, uh, sense of significance that you think that, that you just be careful because pride goeth before a fall. Now watch this, watch this. We see the origin, the origin of pride. Where does this come from? Ezekiel 28, 12, most all commentaries and common uh, commentators believe that this is in reference to Satan, to Lucifer, when he was the, when he was the premier angel in heaven. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, 
Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. When he was Lucifer, when he was the lead angel in heaven, the lead worship angel in heaven, he was perfect in beauty, full of wisdom. Thou hast been, look at his privilege, look at his privilege of where he got to dwell. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold. The workmanship of thy, the workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till. Till iniquity was found in thee. But the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled in the midst of thee with violence now has sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy the old covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire. Everybody read. Help me Fairview. Help me read this. Thine heart. Come on now. Thine heart was lifted up. That's the same phrase that he used in Deuteronomy 8. Thine. Say it with me. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy. thy, Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy. In other words. Because of his beauty, because of his perfection, because of his privilege, because he had it all, he got prideful. He began to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And it started with God's blessings. It started with God's favor. It started with an abundance of blessing and favor poured out on somebody. Listen, when we ask and we beg God for his favor and his blessings, we better beware. Pride came straight from Satan himself. The outcome of pride. The outcome of pride. Look, watch this right here. This is so telling. Psalms 10 verse 4. The wicked... Through the what? Through the pride of his count. Watch what, watch what happens when a man becomes prideful. Watch what happens when a man becomes prideful. Will not what? Seek after God. God is not in all his. You you, want to know a symptom of pride? When a man don't pray. When a man don't seek God. When a man is doing his thing and never asks God anything, never comes to God, watch this now, doesn't even, come on now, doesn't even, God doesn't even cross his mind. I wonder how many of you this week, God never crossed your mind this week. You're trying to take care of everything yourself. Trying to take care of your bills and your issues and your problems and your needs and your, and your wants and, and you're just going about. And the last time God crossed your mind was last Sunday morning when you were here. You know what that means? You're a little prideful. You're thinking a little more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Preacher, come on now. You're a little tough on us this morning. 
We just gave a big offering. I know. You know, when we're, when we're at most danger is when right after the blessing. Right after the victory. You let me tell you when, when Israel fell first in the promised land? Right after Jericho. And I'm not, I, listen, I didn't, I didn't seek this out. God gave me this. And he's trying to tell you, with the blessing comes a warning. Comes a warning because when we get blessed... We get, we get to thinking, anyway, anyway, I got to hurry. I, I, I got more. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. I'm, how many of y'all can see pride right here? When we get abundantly blessed, when God begins to supply and we, we get stuff, there's a danger of pride taking place. There's a danger of pride taking place. But then look what it says. But then look what it says. You forget the Lord that brought the out of the land. And by the way, that's a type of salvation. I think too many Christians forgot where God found them. Listen, God's salvation in verse 14, God's direction and and leadership in verse 15. He said he led you through a great and terrible wilderness where there was fiery serpents and scorpions. You have no idea at the enemies that you have been around this week that God led you through and passed. Who fed thee in the wilderness, which thy father knew not. In other words, your father didn't even know where it came from. That he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. Watch this now. And this is what you say in your heart. After pride sets in, this is what you go to saying. And thou say in thine, what heart? A heart that's been lifted up, prideful. Watch what you go to say. My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is to this day. Preacher, what comes after pride? Delusion. Delusion. Charles Spurgeon said this. Charles Spurgeon said this. Be not proud of race, face, place, or grace. Think about that. Don't be proud of what color you are. Say, why? You had no control over it. Don't be proud of your beauty. One, you didn't have control over that either. And it goes away. Y'all know what they say. Beauty is skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. When beauty fades away, ugly hangs on. Anyway. Don't be proud of, don't be proud of your beauty. Don't be proud of your place. Race, face, place. Bless God, I've worked hard for what I've got. Yeah, and it could be taken away in a moment. Sure, don't be proud of grace. Grace. In other words, where you stand with God. Because if we all had what we deserve, we'd be in hell. All of us has gotten what we don't deserve. William Barclay said, pride is the ground. Listen to this. Pride is the ground in which all other sins grow and the parent from which all other sins come. Who's the father of sin? Satan. Where did it begin? When his heart was. 
See, when we get prideful, then we get delusional. We get delusional. Preacher, what do we get delusional about? Well, look what it says. Look what it says. We go to saying stuff like this. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this. First of all, you get delusional about what you can do. You get delusional about what you can do. If I remember right, all these people were slaves in Egypt. It's amazing how they, they're standing in the promised land in the midst of their blessings, in the midst of what God called them to. And they begin to say, look what we've got. Look what I've done. And they forget that they were slaves building pyramids. They were slaves in bondage. And God came to where they were when they couldn't get out. He came in. And it was God's power. It was God's. Listen, it was his prerogative. He did it. And he brought them through the land of the wilderness and, and protected them and provided for them and kept them safe. And then he drove out the enemy out of the promised land and began to pour his abundant blessings on it. But when they got blessed, they started saying, look at what we done. I'm going to tell you the first thing that happens when you get prideful is you get delusional. You get to thinking you can do something you can't do. And what Jesus say, without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Without him, we're nothing. Without him, we're nothing. It's easy to sit in this building and what a blessed thing this is. And what a, what a beautiful building and, 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 and stick our thumbs in our lapel and say, look what we've done. Honey, we ain't done anything. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here right now. You hear people say all the time, I'm a self-made man. Well, that's, that's ignorant. Well, I did the work. He gave you the job. He gave you the opportunity. He gave you the strength to do the work that made that happen. He gave you the air to breathe every single morning of your life. Don't stand here and get delusional on me. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have anything. There's no such thing as a self-made man. There is a thing as a God-blessed man. When you start thinking you have more in your bank because, or, or by more than somebody else and you start looking down on other people, God can take it away in an instant. We get delusional. We get delusional in thinking what, didn't that happen to Nebuchadnezzar? Most of y'all were here in the Daniel Bible study. In the Daniel Bible study, King Nebuchadnezzar was, was the, he was really the king of the world at the time. I mean, if you want to be, be specific about it, he was a top dog on the whole planet, but he got, it went to his head and he said, look at this, this, this kingdom of, that I have built for my majesty. And you know what God did? God struck him down to wallow around in the, in the woods like an animal till God got his attention. And you know what happened when God got his attention? He come back and said, it ain't me, it's him, it's him, it's all him. God can do anything he wants to do, whatever he wants to do, it's him, it's him. Some of y'all are right before God getting your attention. Listen, when we get prideful, we get delusional, we start thinking we can do what we can't do. It's him, he, he did it. 
If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Not, only, not only do we get delusional about what we can do, we get delusional about why we have what we have. Watch what he says. Look, look, in, look in, in verse number 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Watch this now. Watch this. This is what he did. This is what he did. This is what God did. For it is he that giveth thee power to get. In other words, he gave you what you have. Now watch what this is. The, this is the this is the eye opening part. Now, let me tell you why I did it. Let me tell you why I did it. That. Come on. That he may establish. He, oh, slow down, people, slow down. You ready? That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers. Do you know why God gave them power to get wealth? So he could say he did what he said he would do. In other words, God gave them what he gave them because he said he was going to do it. He did it to keep. His covenant. He did it to keep his word that I am God and I will do what I say I'm going to do. Oh, but preacher, but preacher. Oh, watch this. Now I got another verse. I got another verse. He, 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 he warns him again. Deuteronomy nine. Deuteronomy nine. Y'all with me? We having fun? It's almost over. It's almost over. Verse, verse four, Deuteronomy nine in verse three, in verse three, he says, I'm going to drive people out. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to go through the promised land. I'm going to drive your enemies out. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch what he says in verse four. Speak not thou in thine after that the Lord thy God has cast them out from before thee saying, read it with me. For my right, come on everybody, hit me. For my righteousness, the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out before thee. Verse five, not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart, dost thou go to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. Y'all reading between the lines? You know what he's saying by that? Don't get to thinking you're somebody. Don't get to thinking that I'm doing this because you're good and you're righteous and you're, watch this now, and you're deserving. It ain't because you're good. It ain't because of your righteousness or uprightness. It ain't, it ain't because you deserve it. What's he doing? He's warning them. Because when we get blessed by God, we have the terrible, terrible habit of thinking we're somebody. And, it, and we have a tendency to be lifted up in pride. And when we get lifted up in pride, we get delusional. And we start thinking we have ability that we don't have. And we start thinking we have what we have because we deserve it. Are y'all seeing this? Delusional. He said, you're going to start saying with my power, 
in my might, I gained me this. I, in other words, I have what I have because of me. Beware. Beware. You see, here's the next step that happens. What's the first step after we forget God? Okay, that would be number one. Okay. Okay. Y'all kind of y'all need to get your Red Bull in the morning. Y'all a little foggy. What's the first thing that happens after we forget God? Pride. Then what happens? Delusion. We get delusional. And then watch this now. The third step is idolatry. Idolatry. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. He said in verse 14, thine heart be lifted up. That's pride. Verse 17 and 18, and thou say in thine heart, my power, my might, my hand has gotten me there. That's delusion. You get delusional. And in verse 19, watch this, watch this. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God and what? Say it again. And say it again. Let me tell you what happens when a people, now these are God's people. These are God's people. Do you realize in the New Testament that Paul is exhorting? He's exhorting and he's telling God's people, Christians, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me Christians can be idolatrous? That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's hard to imagine that people who have experienced the blessings of God and the, and the, and the, the presence of God like the children of Israel did could stray away and go into idolatry. But guess what? It happens every single day. Idolatry is alive in America. Idolatry, there's a definition. Look at your notes. Idolatry is the worship of idols. Images or anything made by hands or which is not, that's the key, underline that, or which is not God. Worshiping something which is not God. Excessive attachment. You see, there's that key word again. What was the key word there? Excessive. Excessive attachment or veneration for anything or that which borders on adoration. Adoration of something that is not God. Here's an idol. Here's Webster's Dictionary. Idol. Anything on which we set our affections, that to which we indulge in excessive and sinful attachment. Watch this now. Everybody read this with me. An idol. Everybody read it. Help me. Fairview, help me real loud so I can hear you right here. All right, you ready? An idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the, uh-oh. An idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts. An idol is when something or someone becomes more important to us than God. By that definition, even good things can become idols when we make them the ultimate things in our life. Anything or anyone can become an idol if we place the value for that thing or person above our value for God. Now I want to I want to read I want to read a couple of things just just look at me everybody look at me. 
Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer said in an article called Idolatry is Alive Today. This is what he said. He says, is it that a 12-inch tall piece of wood or bronze can do something bad to us? Or is it that we do something awful to ourselves when we place adoration and attention that should go to God in other things? When it comes to idolatry, the danger is not in an item, it is in us. Tim Keller, Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods, he answers what an idol is in this way. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Exodus 20. This is the first time when God brought them out at Sinai. God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Before me. Before me. Say it with me. Deuteronomy 5. This is when he says it again. This is when he reminds them again. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Here's a few gods that we're struggling with today in America. The God of identity. The idol of identity, who we are. Money. Number two. Money, material things. We're killing ourselves for money. That's all we think about. That's all we're focused on. It's become an idol in America. Jobs or status in life has become an idol in America. Physical appearance. Physical appearance has become an idol in America. We're spending so much money on trying to look younger and try, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against anybody trying to improve their physical appearance whatsoever. I think any barn needs a little paint. Say amen. <laughs> I think we need to do anything we can to, to, to look our best for our spouse. But when it, what's the key word? When it is excessive. I have seen people who have so much plastic surgery, they look like an alien. Let me tell you why. Because they're worshiping physical appearance. Plastic surgeons are making billions of dollars because people are bowing down to the idol of physical appearance. Entertainment. Mercy. Entertainment. Sex. Sex has become an idol with an excessive amount of thought processing and money going toward one of the most, listen, most money making things in America is pornography. Comfort has become an idol. Comfort. Phones. I challenge you to, I challenge you to go to an airport and just sit and watch. Not an airport, go to a restaurant. Hey, go to a church. (laughs) 
family and children. Oh, preacher, no, 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 no. Children can become an idol. Jesus said this, Jesus said this, I believe it was in Luke chapter 14, I think. He said, unless a man hate his father and his mother and sister's brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate there means to love less. In other words, Jesus has got to be priority in your life. You have to love him more than you love your spouse. You got to love him more than you love your children. You got to love him more than you love your, your mom, your dad, or even your own life. Let me tell you what, one of the biggest idols, one of the most biggest, the the biggest gods that we bow down to, look in the mirror. It's about what I want. We, We don't say like Jesus in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. We say to God every day, not thy will, but my will be done. In the way we live, in the way we behave, in the way we carry ourselves. And probably the Number one idol in America today, the number one God in America today, the number one thing that's being bowed down today is sports. It has become idolatry. More money spent on it, more time spent on it. We've got, we've got parents going insane at little league football practices. Man was just shot and killed at one. You, you see it all the time. Parents getting beat. I, I, when I, when Kenzie was still playing basketball, I, I've seen stuff. I'm telling you, had about to go break up a fight. Parents and referees. And here we, you know why? We're worshiping it. It's become the only thing we think about. The only thing we focus on. The only thing. We've got Christian parents who spend every waking moment, every extra dime that they have to make sure their kid can throw a ball and haven't spent one second teaching them who Jesus is. I'm talking about professing Christians. I ain't talking about the lost world. I'm talking about God's people. Here's a few questions you can ask yourself. Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Watch this now. Where do I get my joy? Watch this. Watch this. Let me, let me, before I read this one, I'm going to remind you of a verse. I'm going to remind you of a verse of that, that prideful person. Psalm 10, four, the wicked through the pride of his countenance, watch this, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Watch what, watch what this fourth one is. What is always on my mind? That could describe, that could very well describe what your idol is. Now watch where this comes from. Watch where this comes from. We didn't just get there. I'll tell you what, let me give you the last point because I know y'all going to be wigging out till you write it down. Destruction. He said, when you do this, you're going to perish just like the ones I'm driving out of the promised land. Now write that down, fold your paper up and look at me because I need to talk to you a minute. Quickly, quickly, quickly. I only got five minutes. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Even the ones that's mad, y'all look at me too. <laughs> Idolatry destroyed good people. Yeah. 
The problem with the American Christian is the only thing they think an idol is, is this little fat statue that's in India somewhere that they burn candles to. But an idol is anything more important to you than God. Now here's what we're all going to say. Oh, nothing's more important to me than God. What's always on your mind? Where do you spend your most time? Where do you spend your money? Where's your focus at? Don't tell me God's most important to you when you miss half a summer at sports events. Don't tell me that that God is your priority, that he's number one in your life when you don't even think about him all week long and you can't find your Bible on Sunday because you don't know where you left it. Don't tell me that God's number one when it takes half of a service just to get you primed up and ready to worship because he hadn't even been in your thought process. Hello? But watch, we, we, there's no doubt America is on fire today. America is burning to the ground. We are perishing. Would we agree? Divorce is just as prevalent in the church house as it is in the drug house. Now watch, now watch. Perishing, destruction, devastation to our homes, our families, our children's lives. I'm seeing it every day. Go backwards. Go backwards. Where does the destruction of the home come from? Where's the destruction of the family unit come from? Where's the destruction of the household come from? Where is the destruction of Christianity and the moving of God? Where does that come from? We go backwards one and we see it's because we're chasing other gods. God's people are running around and their priority is not God. Their priority is not his work. The priority is not his word. We're consumed with everything in this world. We're running around chasing sex and money and fame and sports and entertainment and comfort. And you fill in the blank. We're chasing other gods. Everything in the world is more important to us than God. If, here's, here's, here's what most Christians do today. If we have some time left over. We'll give God some of it on Sunday morning. If we have a little money left over. Now, I'm so glad that 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 does not describe you guys. Obviously, it doesn't. Because you are generous and you are giving. But I'm telling you, the biggest majority of Christians, professing Christians in America today are giving zero to missions. And giving zero to the work of God. You know why? Because they've spent it all on other gods and then we back up again we start with perishing that's where we're at that's why our country's on fire our country's in a mess our country is going to hell 100 miles an hour because god's people are running around chasing other gods and and the reason they're chasing other gods is because they've gotten delusional they're thinking they have what they have because of their ability, because of their talent, because of their work, because of all that they are. They're delusional on what they have and why they have it. They're delusional on what they can do. Bless God, I can take care of myself. We become like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. We're going to look for satisfaction and fulfillment under the sun. What did, what did Solomon say in Ecclesiastes? I don't need you. 
When you're not praying and seeking God, you're telling Him, I don't need you. When you're not going to Him for your daily needs, when you're not going to Him for what you have in your life, when you're not seeking Him out, when He's not on your mind ever, you're telling God, I don't need you. You've become delusional. And the reason we get that way, the reason we become delusional is because of, say it with me, pride. Why are we prideful? How did we get lifted up in our heart? How did we get lifted up in our heart? Because God gave us stuff. How many of y'all would agree that America has been blessed like crazy? I would say, I would say beyond any nation on the planet. But you know what happened? When he did. We got prideful. And we started acting like we didn't need him. Look where we're at. Let's go back another step. Okay? We make room over here. What's the first thing we saw? Actually, the last thing we saw. Destruction. Come on, everybody. Everybody, come on. You ready? Destruction. Can y'all see America is being destroyed from the inside out? Can y'all see churches are being destroyed? Homes are being destroyed. Families are being destroyed. Marriages are being destroyed. Kids don't even know who they are. I don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They're so confused. Listen, we see destruction. Destruction came from what? Chasing other gods. Come on, everybody say it. Chasing other gods. Idolatry. And idolatry came because we got delusional, delusional. And then we were delusional because we were swelled up in pride. We got to thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We got to thinking we deserve this. We deserve God's blessings. We deserve God's favor. You know why we got prideful? Because we forgot God. Now watch. Watch now. This is it. This is it. Everybody with me? How do we keep from forgetting God? How do we keep? In other words, how do we get out of this process right here? How do we get out of this cycle of destruction? This cycle of, of, of perishing? This, this cycle of horror and failure? Look in verse number 10. Look in verse number 10. I know what some of you are saying. Then let's not be blessed. Let's go back to the wilderness and have lack and have nothing. Then we'll have to seek God. That's one idea. Hey, watch this now. I'll prove that. I'll prove that. What did y'all see on TV? What did y'all see in billboards all across America when them planes hit them twin towers, what did you see? Pray! Everyone pray. Everyone went to church. You know what happened in 2008? When everybody lost jobs and we lost work and we didn't know how we was going to make it, guess where everybody went?
See, God's got to touch our pocketbook before we will remember him. But we can keep that from happening. We can keep from having to go back in the wilderness. You see, when they was in the wilderness, if they didn't seek God, they didn't eat the next day. If God didn't show up, they starved. It wasn't hard to have God on their mind. When you're struggling and trying to make it, it's not hard for you to pray. I need a witness. But watch what happens when God goes to blessing you. Brother Doug, over the years, how many times did you see families come in destroyed, begging God to touch and fix their marriage, fix their relationship, and God did all of the above and began to bless their family, and they got arrogant, and they got, and you never saw them again. More than you could count, I bet. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. But here's what we do, verse 10. Verse 10, let's all read together. When thou hast eaten and art full. Come on, everybody, real loud. Fair you help me now. Here we go, here we go, real loud. When thou hast eaten and art full, then, say it with me, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God. Say it again. Say it again. Do you, you know, you won't know how to stay out of this cycle of perishing, this cycle of going from prideful to delusional to idolatrous and to destruction. Return the praise. Every day of your life, the Bible says all that hath breath, praise the Lord. If you woke up this morning and went, then you owe him Praise. Give him glory and honor and praise. Praise him for the air that you breathe. Praise him for the food that you eat. Praise him for the car that you drive. I don't care if it's a 1921 Yugo. It does not matter. Praise him that you got somewhere to go. Praise him for the shoes on your feet. Praise him for the clothes on your back. Praise him for the church you get to go to. Praise him for the Bible that has to teach you how to live. Praise him for a home in heaven. Praise him for the salvation he's given you. Come on, give him praise. Listen, if you don't worship him, you're going to worship something. And praise and pride cannot stay in the same place. Because when you praise, you're recognizing him. And when you're recognizing him, there's no way to be prideful in yourself. Oh, preacher, I'm afraid I'm prideful. Then you get to praising. Because then you start remembering you ain't nothing. You never was nothing. The only reason you have anything is because of him. The only reason you have what you have is because of him. If it wasn't for him, the verse says, if it wasn't for God on our side, let's praise him. Let's worship him. It's so easy when you've been blessed and God's given you abundance. And when you have something, it's so easy to get prideful. It's so easy. And you get pride. You don't get prideful automatically. You get prideful when you stop worshiping. It's not a foregone conclusion that anytime somebody's blessed, okay, they're automatically prideful. No. 
Abraham was the richest man almost in the Old Testament, but he didn't get prideful. You know why? Because he knew where it come from. You remember when he defeated and, and, and he came back? He came back and the kings of Sodom, the kings of Sodom was going to give him. He said, oh, no, I don't want what you have. God is my reward. Worship. Praise him. Glorify him. Preacher, I wish I had a little more. <laughs> Maybe you ain't worship for what you already have. Hello? Okay, that's what I had. Stand up. <laughs> Let's pray. Everybody stand. Everybody stand at Fairview. Everybody stand at Fairview. I want to say this. I want to say this before we pray. Everybody, listen. There's not a single Christian alive that's immune to this. We all need to do what he said and beware. All of us. All of us. Because we go to get lifted up in pride. Beware.